Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Gray, and welcome to the Teaching Series Podcast. I am a follower of Jesus, and I find the Bible to be absolutely amazing and love helping people experience it anew. Because in my 12 plus years of teaching the Bible professionally, I've learned that most of us have never been taught how to engage the Bible the way it was intended in its original context, and we are missing out on so much. Because when the biblical text is set in its context, it becomes more relevant, compelling, and transformational than we ever imagined. My desire is for all people to experience the Bible this way and to see Jesus at the center of it all. It's to this end that I created the teaching series, which is a weekly video series that explores some aspect of the Bible in its original context and then talks through how we can apply it well to our own context. This podcast is the audio version of those highly visual video teachings, which can be found at walkingthetext.com. So if you find an episode particularly helpful, I'd encourage you to check out the video version as well. And please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and let's jump into the episode. You're not where you were, and you're not where you want to be. Welcome to the land between. Uh, These words hit me like a ton of bricks several years ago when my good friend Jeff Mannion did this in a teaching, and it was so impactful and powerful that it actually turned into a book by the same name, The Land Between. And the idea behind The Land Between is that it follows the journey of the Israelites from the time they left Egypt to the time they got into the promised land. And that's the idea. You're not where you were, Egypt. You're not where you want to be, the promised land, you're in this land between. And this land between is a desert experience. It's a time of transition. It's where everything has changed and things aren't what you want them to be, but you've got to navigate this space in between. There's life before the pandemic and there will be life after the pandemic, but we're living in the midst of this pandemic. Now, there's life before the loss of the job, and there will be life after a new job, but you're in the space of no job. You're in the land between. And we could fill in that land between with any major transition that we go through, and oftentimes those transitions are these wilderness experiences where everything has changed, everything has been stripped away, and we're left trying to figure out how do we navigate this landscape well. Well, that's precisely what we've been tackling in the midst of this mini-series called Grapes in the Desert. And it comes from Hosea 9.10, when God says, When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. And he's actually referring to that time when he's pulling Israel out of Egypt And now there is this sense of fruitfulness, this relationship, this joy that God has. But one of the things that you start to see is that as soon as Israel comes out, there's all of these challenges that they encounter. And really the biggest challenge is, will they trust God? And that's what we want to talk about in this episode. We want to talk about this idea of trust. Because when you look at any kind of a relationship, the number one indicator as to the strength and longevity of a relationship 
is the trust. Are people willing to give and take? Are they willing to be vulnerable? Are they willing to put their needs, you know, behind someone else's? And as you do that, and as you live that out on a daily basis, this trust grows. It's true not only in relationships with those significant others in our lives, it's true of organizations and companies as well. I mean, anybody who researches organizational culture will tell you the number one indicator on how far and how fast a company can grow and have success is the trust that is within that organization. Without trust, it is a rocky, rough road. And we see that in the biblical story over and over and over again but most notably when the Israelites enter in to the desert. And so in Exodus chapter 13, at the very end, we have a very interesting passage. And God has just rescued and redeemed Israel from their slavery in Egypt. The 10 plagues have happened, and now they are coming out and they are about to enter in to the desert. Now recognize, Israel has just spent more than 400 years in the land of Egypt. And when you see the land of Egypt from above, you will see that there is this big green area in the northern part. That's the Nile Delta. That's where Goshen is. That's where Israel was. And then you also see the stretch of green that runs down to the south, and that is following and hugging the Nile River. They have been living in the land of the green. They have been in the land of Goshen. And then we read this as they are departing from Egypt. This is from Exodus 13, verse 20. It says, After leaving Sukkot, they camped at Etam on the edge of the desert. Now, they move from Sukkot to Etam. This is 13 miles. But the thing that I'm most interested in is it says on the edge of the desert. That is a literal recognition of how quickly the landscape changes. Uh, You're looking at this photo right now. This is from a hot air balloon. And you can see that literally the land goes from green to brown within inches. This is not like within a tenth of a mile or a couple hundred yards. This is right away. And they literally move from green to brown. They move from what is known to the unknown. They move from certainty to uncertainty. And we know what that's like in our lives as well. But then as you read on from there, God is leading them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Israel is following God and God does like this U-turn once they get into the desert and he does this in order to confuse Pharaoh. In fact, we read as you go through that Pharaoh is going to look at this and say, oh, the Israelites are lost. Let's go pursue them. And that is precisely what happens in chapter 14. In verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? 
Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I mean, they were slaves in Egypt and they want to go back. You know what this tells us, doesn't it? It's that it is easier to be a slave in Egypt than to trust God in the desert. They didn't know what was going on, but they were struggling to trust God. Now, if you're like me, you look in on this situation and you go, wait a minute, did God not just do those 10 plagues back in Egypt? Like, why are the Israelites struggling to trust God to the point where they say, we'd rather go back to Egypt and be slaves than to try to follow God in the midst of a wilderness experience. Well, there's actually lots of reasons why the Israelites are likely struggling with this current scenario. You know, we come to the Bible as informed readers of the text. We know what came before, we know what's coming next. And so it's hard for us to be reminded of what was it like to walk in their shoes in those moments. And coming out of Egypt, where they have been for the last 400 years, there was an understanding about the gods and goddesses and how they functioned in a particular location. So for the ancient Egyptians, they believed that certain gods were stronger in certain settings and other gods were weaker in those settings. And so every god kind of had a strength area. And so when God, Yahweh, comes into the land of Egypt and wreaks havoc on these 10 plagues in order to get the Israelites out, God has demonstrated power and strength within the confines of Egypt, within the confines of the green. But now Israel is in the brown, and they're probably wondering, is this God strong in the brown as he was in the green? And this is precisely why Pharaoh most likely sends his army after the Israelites after his land has been decimated. Is that one of the things that some scholars have looked at is that each of the 10 plagues are knocking off one of the major gods and goddesses in Egypt. And so for Pharaoh, all of the gods have been decimated, if you will. But there's one God that hasn't been tested yet. It's the God set. He's the God of the desert. He is the God of war. And no doubt Pharaoh's probably thinking, well, this God Yahweh has demonstrated power and strength within the confines of Egypt, within the green but I bet he doesn't have that same strength in the brown. And Pharaoh sends his army after them. You see, for the Israelites, they probably have the same sense. They're following this cloud and all of a sudden the cloud does a U-turn and they don't understand. God is putting them in a situation where he's going to rescue them for good. But in their mind's eye, they don't understand what God is doing and they are struggling to trust him. And friends, we see this issue of trust playing out over and over and over again with the Israelites in the biblical story. We don't want to be those kinds of people that say, I'd rather go back to Egypt 
What we want to be are those kinds of people that say, God, I will learn to trust you well, especially in those seasons where I have moved from something certain to uncertain, when I have moved into the land between. But here's our big question. How do we do that well? How do we grow in our ability to trust God when we're in these seasons? Well, I was recently reading uh, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. And it's a phenomenal book on relationships, and she has a tremendous amount on the issue of trust. Uh, but in particular, she quotes some research from John Gottman. And John Gottman is kind of like the father of relationships. Everybody looks to him for wisdom and guidance because he has just broken all kinds of ground on understanding how relationships work. And he's got this concept called sliding door moments. And he names it such after the 1998 film starring Gwyneth Paltrow by the same name, Sliding Doors. And the premise of the film is that Gwyneth Paltrow's character um, is, is, is going along and all of a sudden there is a, an event that arises and the storyline runs two different directions. Like what happens if this event causes this reaction and what happens if this event causes this reaction? And the story just plays off these two different uh, directions. And he says this is the same when it comes to relationships as well. That there are these sliding door moments that capture your attention and you can either choose to engage the moment or you can disengage the moment. And so the idea is this, you know, you're just kind of walking a certain direction and all of a sudden John Gottman gives us example about how He's reading a murder mystery and he can't wait to finish the book because he thinks he knows who the murderer is. And he goes into the bathroom because he just has to go to the bathroom and he comes out and he sees his wife looking in the mirror and she's got this look on her face like she's sad. And he said it was a sliding door moment. He said, I could continue on my normal trajectory back to my book and finish it, do what I want to do. Or I could open that sliding door moment and enter through it and engage with my wife and say, honey, what's bothering you? And he said that sliding door moment builds trust with my spouse because she knows that I care about her. And the same is true, I believe, when it comes to God, when we're in the midst of the wilderness, is that we have these sliding door moments that arise that enable us to grow in our trust of God. But we have this option of either engaging it and going through, going a different direction to engage with God or to disengage and just continue on. So for example, you wake up in the morning and you just have this overwhelming sense of, man, I just got to get some things done today. You're in the midst of this wilderness experience. You're struggling. You're trying to figure out what to do. And this anxiety just calls you into racing into your day. That is the natural flow is to race into the day. But you get this sense of there is a sliding door moment I have to take 5, 10, 15 minutes to enter into a time of prayer, to engage this sliding door moment, 
to be reminded that if I'm just racing into my day in order to get things done, who am I actually trusting in in that moment? I'm trusting in myself. But if I enter into this sliding door moment and I ground myself and I'm reminded my trust is in God, that changes the trajectory of your day. Or for example, you're wrestling with a decision that you need to make and you have this sense, well, I need to make this decision. But then you have this sense that God's going, actually, I need you to make a different decision. It's a sliding door moment. Well, I engage this moment or will I just continue on in the trajectory that I'm going? Or maybe it's even just the other way around, like you don't know what to do and you have the sense that God is saying, I need you to do this, but it makes no sense. You don't have all the details. You don't have everything figured out. It's a sliding door moment. I can just do nothing or I can go, I am going to trust God with this. And friends, this is really hard and difficult to do, but it's something that if we do it well, it will breed life and trust and grow our relationship with God. And I I know that for us here at Walking the Text, we're in these sliding door moments right now. And this is not like a little subtle, you know, uh, pitch to get you to donate to Walking the Text, but we are a nonprofit organization. Uh, and whether you're a nonprofit organization or you're a for-profit company, everybody is trying to figure out how to make it in this season. And we are being challenged with sliding door moments where God is saying, yeah, I know that you've had to cancel you know, trips and conferences and speaking engagements and ways in which income typically comes in, but I need you to trust me that in the midst of the season, I will be providing for you. When we're in the desert, there's all of these sliding door moments. And it's not that we have to catch them all, but the more of these sliding door moments that we're able to enter through, the more our trust in God grows, the stronger our relationship becomes, and the more we are able to see God at work in the midst of our desert experiences. You see, God loves the desert. Everybody goes to the desert in the scriptures to be shaped, to be formed. It's in the desert where some of God's greatest work in our lives can happen. But God doesn't love the desert because it's hard on us. God loves the desert because it makes us entirely dependent upon Him. And when we can give that kind of trust to God, transformation becomes more apparent in our lives. In fact, that's precisely what Jeff Mannion says towards the end of his book, The Land Between. He says this on page 163, he says, The wilderness is a great space to be enrolled in the school of trust. Perhaps if we can grasp the purpose of our land between, we can cooperate with that purpose rather than resisting it. The purpose is trust. The purpose is transformation. God brings us out of Egypt and into the land between to draw us closer in a relationship of trust and to transform us. Friends, I believe that if we can engage these moments, these sliding door moments on a regular basis, that our relationship with God 
will soar, that our trust in God never goes to waste. And in the words of Corey Ten Boom, who said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I believe if we can do that, we will thrive in the desert. We will experience grapes in the desert. So friends, thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. And may you walk out this text well in your life.